All right. Hey, welcome, guys. Thank you guys for being here. Uh, my name is Shane Kammerer, and I'm going to pray for us real quick. Father, thank you so much for uh, just us being able to gather. Uh, thank you so much for us, uh, just the lovely music that we got to sing. Thank you just for today. Thank you for what uh, your word says about love, and thank you for Advent and the coming of Jesus and everything that comes with that, Father. I pray that we would uh, meditate on your word in a way that's uh, acceptable in your sight, that we would say the things that need to be said. And I pray that we glorify you right now in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome. My name is Shane, and I'm a covenant member here. My wife, Kathleen, and I have four kids, and and we uh, have been in Norman since about 2016, been a member of the church since about 2017. And so uh, I just am excited to be here. I want to jump right into it. So we're doing Advent, and this is the love week. And so I think it's the best week, but uh, mainly just because I'm doing this. But no, I, I really do think that the, the greatest present we have in the Christmas season is the love of Christ. And so I want us to, I just want to say a statement, and then I want us to read a couple of passages after I say a couple of things. And we're going to be mostly in John, 1 John 1, or 1 John 4, 7 through 12. And really the, the thrust of what we're talking about today is that a true Christian life is going to be marked by love that flows from God, is seen in Jesus, and is demonstrated by the church, by us. And so this love... Love, 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 right? We talk about love all the time. So we had Christmas yesterday, so everybody was in town. We did this, you know, first time we've done that. We've hosted Christmas, and we had like 10, 12 people in our house, and the grandparents is the way to go. So if you've got kids, don't buy Christmas presents. Make the grandparents buy the Christmas presents. Tons and tons of, of presents. I mean, they're, the joy that presents bring into the house, right? They're screeching, they're screaming, they're, they're doing all this stuff. And one of the things that comes up over and over again is they would say, I love that, or I love this, or man, I love that. Or if we were watching the OU game, we're like, man, I love that they finally pulled it out and won, right? And so love, the word, has a lot of different meanings. And we're not going to go into all the different meanings. One that we're going to focus on today is this love called agape love. And so as we unpack that, it's going to unpack a little bit about what we're supposed to believe about Jesus. So I want to first, let's, uh, let me look at what I'm going to do first. So first, I wanted to look at 1 Corinthians uh, 1, or 13, 1. And we're going to just look at what Paul says. He says that love is really important, right? And so if, <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 13 says, If I speak in tongues of men and of angels... But do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardships, that I may boast but I do not have love, I gain nothing. And so Paul is saying here in first verse, 
He says that it doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter what you know in the second verse. And it doesn't matter what you do in the third verse if you don't have love. So the overall importance of love is huge. And so this, what type of love are we talking about? I said a minute, a minute ago, it's this verb, this action word in the Greek language is agape love. We've heard it. There's churches named agape. It's pretty familiar with you if you're Christian. I'm going to read a definition of it. Agape is unconditional love, a love that seeks the highest good for the one who is loved. Total commitment. It is sacrificial, unrelenting, and focused on what is best for those who receive it. And so let's turn to 1 John 4, 7 through 12, and we'll get going a little bit. I want to just say that my first big, big point here is uh, going to pop up after I read this passage. But let's, uh, let's look at this. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. So we'll stop right there for a second. So the first big point that I want to make, the overarching deal, is God's love flows from, from God because God is love. All right, there it is. Marvel of technology, right? All right. The idea here is really simple. Uh, God's love flows down from heaven. Uh, the idea is that also God, the, he's the originator of love. Like from all eternity, from time begun, uh, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit have been in this uh, triune relationship, and love is, is part of that character. Love comes from God because God is love. And so it's like the idea that heat radiates from the sun. So if the sun is hot, heat comes off the sun. And so there's just two parts that we're going to talk about real quick. Loving others gives evidence that true Christians have been born of God. And the second one is loving others gives evidence that we know God. And so my kids all look the same pretty much. We all kind of look similar. If we're born of God, it's just like that. We are, should start looking like the God of love because God is love. The logic's kind of like this. God is love. Those born of God and who know God are now children of God. God's children have God's nature and God's children will love, right? See the progression? This is pretty simple stuff. We've heard this lots of times. This is not the profound part yet, right? And so as we look at it, anyone who does not love does not know God. Because God is love. Verse 8. Let's pop that back up. The passage. Thanks, man. All right, so in verse 8, it says, anyone who does not love God does not know God. So loving others gives this evidence that we know God. If you guys have a Bible, turn with me to 1 John 2, 4 through 6. They might be able to put it up on the screen. 
All right, and so the idea here is in 1 John 2, it's a couple passages earlier, John is this, uh, has got 1 John the letters, he wrote uh, the book of, or the gospel of John, and his biggest theme is love. So 1 John 2, 4 through 6 says, whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. And then this great verse, whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus lived and live as Jesus did. So a person who claims to know God must be personally affected by knowing God. Therefore, love must lead to change. And so if we're going to act like we're, we're Jesus, we're going to talk about Jesus, we need to look like Jesus. And Jesus has certain characteristics, and one of them is this idea of love. And so we need to start looking like love. And so let's turn back to uh, 1 Corinthians. And so the, this means that it's going to come, this agape love is going to change who we are in our person and who we are, not just in our head because we know God, but now in our hearts as we, as we change things about who we are. 1 Corinthians uh, 13, 4 and 5 says, Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast. It's not proud. And that's an inward, inward change. So if you have this and you know God and you have this love, it's going to change who you are from the inside. And then look at verse 5. Or rude, it does not insist on its way. It's not irritable or resentful. It keeps no records of wrong, things like that. So that's an outward change. So if you are born of God, you look like Jesus, you look and talk like God, and you resemble this love, and this love is seen in your life. If you know God, it's going to start to resemble and change who you are. It's just like if you had a pocket of um, radioactive material in your pocket, it's going to eventually change who you are. You're going to get sick. Obviously, this is a good thing, right? Because we want that not to have radioactive stuff. We want to have Jesus in our, in our pocket, right? But the thing is, is evidence that we were born of God flows from God. And so I... I, uh, the next point, so we, we talked about the idea, like that first point, put the first point back up real quick. So God loves, flows from God. God's love flows from God because God is love. And, you know, this idea that true Christians are, be able, are able to be seen, they're able to be uh, the, the born of God, the people that have come down from God, that he's given us this love, we're to be seen, we're to be able to understand, we're able to be uh, able to example Jesus in love, this love, this agape love. But it flows from him. It doesn't flow from anywhere else. It comes from him. And the next thing is it's going to go, God's love is modeled in the atoning death of Jesus Christ. And so here's the thing. 
God sent his son that we might live, and he sent his son that we might die. If you look at verses 8 and 9, or 9 and 10. All right, in this, the love of God was made manifest among us. That God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So the other day, I, I, uh, <laughs> I brought home a guitar. So I brought this guitar home and I strung it. And of course, the kids are just stringing aimlessly on this guitar and it makes no sense. And they come to me, and I know like three chords. And they go, Dad, teach us how to play this guitar. And I'm like, okay. So I taught them how to play a G chord. And I did this. But then what I did is we just looked up YouTube videos of Eric Clapton and, uh, and Santana and some other people. And so <laughs> few can compare to those people. But the, if we're going to talk about love, and we want to see the real model of love, we need to look at the true model of love, which is Jesus Christ. And so this nine verse, it says, the word manifest in is this idea of manifested. It just means to reveal. So when Jesus came down and he was sent, it says that he was sent uh, his only son into the world. God did. <clears throat> the word manifest is the opposite of hide. Thought I'd do that, I guess. <laughs> so the word manifest is the opposite of hide. It means to reveal, to come out in the open. So when he was sent down, it, it's a really cool idea because that means that because of this triune unity for eternity, for all time, he was in heaven and he was before things and he was made, I mean, he was not made, he was before all things. And so one of my favorite passages is this. I'll let them have a little time, but first, or Colossians 1.16 says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. We've been doing an Advent book, and this verse 17 has been the memory verse for this last couple of weeks. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So this idea that before time began, God had made something really perfect. He had made it, uh, made the earth, made the stars, everything, he made it perfect, right? And then sin entered the world and broke everything and destroyed what was made good. And then Jesus Christ has come in the redemption of this, because Jesus was sent down. So we know John 3, 16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And so God's love is modeled in the atoning death. And it's so that we might live through him. We might live. Verse 9 again. Put back up the main passage. In this, the love that was manifest among us, that God sent his only son 
into the world that we might live through him. If you look at what that means, it means that to be born of God and to know God, it means to experience his love and it means to share his love with others. It means to enjoy fellowship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It means to walk in light, enjoy fellowship with one another, to confess and receive forgiveness, to walk as he walked, abide in his word and his will. It means these things. Um, a side note, since we're here, He was, he came down. And so that means that it's really important, like the facts of, of, of Christmas are really important. And one of those facts is that he was born of a virgin. And I'm just going to re- read something that a, a friend of mine wrote recently. It is a really important fact that Jesus was born of a virgin. It proves that he had heavenly origin. A senseless, a sinless nature, uh, and that he was the perfect sacrifice. So, if Joseph were his true father, then Jesus would not be the Son of God, and his death on the cross would not be a perfect sacrifice. And I just want to throw that in there because as he came down, as he manifested, you know, that we might have life, this idea of true life with God that we would not die and we could have this two things, really. There's two really important things. It's abundant life and it's everlasting life. You know, John 3.16, we said in this, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come to give you abundant life. And so this idea that we could live through Jesus, not just an eternal thing. All right, so the second part of that is 410. Pop that back up. So 410 says, God sent his son that he might die. All right, 410 doesn't say that, but that's the point. He sent his son that he might die for us, this propitiation of our sins, this idea. I'll read that real quick. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation. So this idea of what a propitiation is, the incredible, most, one of the most important verses in all the Bible because of this idea of this trade-off. God sent his son to die in our place and our punishment, you know, because of the redeeming of the world. And the propitiation, the word means to turn away the wrath of God by means of an offering. Propitiation is what God does to make it possible for men to be forgiven. 2 Corinthians 5.19 says, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Uh, I've got a couple quotes here. Tim Keller said this. The gospel is that Jesus lived the life you should have lived 
and die the death you should have died in your died in your place so God can receive you not for your record and sake but for his record and sake and then John Stott has a quote that I thought was pretty profound for the essence he's a old English um, theologian for the essence of sin is man substituting himself for God while the essence of salvation is God substituting himself for man. Man asserts himself against God and puts himself where only God deserves to be. God sacrificed himself for man and put himself where only man deserved to be. And so as we look at that, this is, man, this is such a great image that he, we traded we traded because we deserve this death for all sin and fall short of the glory of God. But we have been able to trade who we are with Jesus. And he's going to take on the, the sin and, and give us a righteousness that we do not deserve except through him. And so God has modeled this sacrifice in Jesus. And let's look at verses 11 and 12 of this passage. So, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God, ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. So this last point is God's love is demonstrated in us when we love others. And so... God's love for us inspires us to love others. God's love for us inspires us to love others. And so this idea of, if you look back at verse 11, it says we ought. Now, we ought is not like I personally need to stop drinking Dr. Pepper, right? It's not like I need to drink more water. It's like a fish needs to swim. A fish needs to be in water. That's what it really the essence of that means. It's something that the consequences of us being with God is that we should want to do this. Uh, have you ever, one, one of these things, I was in the dentist the other day, and I walked in, and this lady goes, make yourself at home. And I turned around, and I looked over at the stool, and I sat down, and it's during COVID, so I have a mask on, and I'm supposed to make myself at home. So that doesn't really mean what we think it means. Like, we say this all the time. Like, you probably said it recently. I said it to my brother, make yourself at home. But the difference between my brother is that he's going to go over to my refrigerator and open it up and start looking through it and seeing if there's food in there. Most of us don't do that, right? If we say make ourselves at home, what we really mean is sit over there until I can come back and, and hang out with you. It doesn't mean go look through my, you know, dressers or, you know, what, what, is, what it would make yourself at home? What would you do at home? Well, my son Micah probably has his underwear on, and that's it. Uh, I typically am in shorts and a no shirt sometimes. So that's make yourself at home. But that doesn't necessarily mean that's how we would operate with each other. There's decency, right? But how much is that like the way we treat relationships with other people uh, and treat the church? Like, I'll be here today, and I'll be here maybe on a Tuesday, and, or, 
or I, I'll give you this much time here, but I don't really want to spend time with the brotherhood. I don't want to spend time with friends. I don't want to actually invest my time in those people because really what I'd rather be is about me, right? I'd rather be about doing my own thing. And so what, what does it represent for us? Well, God's love, this love that he's given us in that because he laid his down, life down for us inspires us to love others. And so a lot of us, like I said, we operate when our schedule, you know, makes out great. We'll come to stuff. Jesus says that he wants your life. Like he wants you. He wants you to be all of him. And he wants to be all of you. And so verse 412 up here, it says, No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. And so our love for others brings this idea to, com- to completion, to perfection. It doesn't mean that we stop sinning. It means that this cycle, this idea that God's love flows, God sent his son so that we might have life. God sends friends and people combine together to, to, to do this stuff together. And so if you think about this verse, it says nobody sees God. Well, of course nobody sees God. In fact, in the Old Testament, a lot of times people died if they even got near God, right? And so the idea, they would. They'd blow up or something. But the thing is, is that we are, we are, the visible manifestation, the demonstration of God's love. It's made complete in us. So we need other people. We don't need to just hang out by ourselves. You can't do it. You can't really live that way. You need people to say, make yourself at home. You know, so a couple of ideas here for me. It's like, man, life is just better connected with people. It's better connected with people. You need people in your life. Um, So join an MC. Why? Because you need people in your life. You need to go on mission with people because we're perfected when we do these things. You need somebody to walk with you and help you do life. Join a fight club. Get into some people to get in your life. It doesn't have to be called that. um, But... Have people that invest in you and do things with them. The Apostle Paul, or the, sorry, John puts it bluntly in verses 1, or sorry, John puts it in 1 John 4.20 like this. He who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has seen. Our love for others is an indicator of the place God's holding in our heart. And so I, I remember a long time ago, back when, I mean, it's probably been 20 years, uh, a church group took me up to uh, this place called Griffith Park in L.A., and when we were there in, at Griffith Park, and we, uh, you know, we looked at all these lights, and it was kind of like this getaway. We had gone and eaten to eat some stuff, 
And uh, we're up there just looking at the lights, and the, the director guy that I was with, he's like, he goes, you know, look at all those lights. And there's lights everywhere. It's like where the Hollywood sign is, so there's just lights everywhere. And it's nighttime, so they're just shining and popping. And I'm looking out there, and, I, and he says, every single one of those lights represents maybe 10 people. And <laughs> you're like, whoa, that's so many people. But then he left us with this, what are you going to do about it? He's like, what are you going to do about it? And I was stuck with that, man, for the rest of the night, like in my head. It was just like beating a drum on me. It's like, what am I going to do about it? Am I going to start some organization? Am I going to leaf drop gospel plan everywhere? What am I going to do? And the more I thought about it, next day came up. The next day, the next day. And I started really investigating my own heart. What really was going on is... I like to do a lot of things for Jesus at that moment in my life. I like to be in this. I like to be in that. I like to be seen. This is a personal problem I had. But God spoke to me, and he's like, you don't really love people. You don't, you don't really want to see those people changed. You don't really want to see you're kind of in this for yourself. And I, I'm like, you know, you're right. So I started praying, God, give me a heart for people. Give me a heart for my friends. Give me a heart that they might change. And, and I was like broken over this, right? Well, there's this moment where I went back up there. So I, I just went back up there because it was like walking through this, you know, existential crisis of what am I going to do with my life, things like that. And I go back up there, and, and it was, I can remember it as yesterday. I like it was just yesterday. I'm sitting there, and I'm looking out at these lights, and I'm saying, God, I won't give me a heart for people. Make me a change agent. Make me be able to help people. I want to see people's lives changed. And he goes, love me. And you're like, I know I'm supposed to love you. Love me. Love me. Just over and over again, that just beat of the drum. Love me. Love me. And I realized right then, is like, I didn't really love God like I needed to. Because why would anybody want to follow a God I didn't really love that much or know that well? I didn't really have God's love exuding through me. I didn't, um, I was everything that that Corinthians passage said. I was rude. I was arrogant. I did all this. I wasn't living that way. Why would anybody want to follow you? Why would anybody want to, to, to follow that Jesus that you are supposedly looking like. And so sometimes the most important thing you can do is love Jesus, love God. Just love God in order for the other people on your crew and your team to be able to love God. And so I, I'm thinking here, there's a great passage in John 13, 34 and 35. It says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples. And so if we show love, this love that comes down from heaven, that's exampled in Jesus, and if we show this love with each other, we, people will know who we are based on our love because there's not love like this anywhere else. The world does not love like this. Other religions do not love like this. This agape, sacrificial Love that is Jesus-like, that he lays down his life. 
First uh, John three sixteen says that you're supposed to do this like him. You know that lay down your life for a brother. Whoa, that's big, right? Do we sacrifice like this? Well, the love that they showed, this new command that Jesus gave, it's not. It's an old command now. By this, everyone will know you're my disciples. So, first of all, side note, they kind of got to know who you are. So you got to be rubbing shoulders with some lost people or people in the world that they know this crew hangs out with each other and they love each other. And so if that's not happening, then how can you actually show this off? And then what kind of love are we talking about? Are we talking about a weekly meeting love? I love that we get to hang out once a week. Or are you talking about, I'm in your life, and you're in my life, you're coming over and making yourself at home. Because you need people that are going to be able to do that. If you don't have people like that, this love doesn't work. It doesn't work this way. You basically have a museum-type love that you can go and look at on Sundays. I had a friend that... I mean, I'm bashing on him, but I did the same thing. When we were in college, his Bible was in his car every Sunday. Like, he always had it in the car, but he, he'd always have to uh, go get it if we had, like, a Bible study. He'd have to go out to his car to get it. He never left his car. And I think a lot of us are like that. Uh, our Christianity, our Bible, our intake, stuff like that doesn't leave... Sunday morning. And we need that. We've got to get that into our life. We've got to have this love relationship with each other in order for this to really work. Because we're better connected. We're better where life is better connected. So I want to just throw out a couple of things, some action steps of what this looks like. So for us to love more. So we're loving more. um, Just four things. There's lots of things that you could probably put on here. You know, the, the love God idea. The, the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the second is it love people, love your neighbor as yourself, right? And so to practice that, to live that out, what does it mean daily to love God? Well, it means spending time with him. It means getting into God's word. It means doing this so you can then turn around and love other people. If you're going to love other people, you have to show them a God that is loving. And then the next one is obey God's word. This idea of obeying God's word, really, you got to get in. I, I'm pretty sure that, I mean, I'm just making a, a, a assessments based on the room, size, people in our town, people that would come to church the week before Christmas, that we know a lot of Bible in here. We know a lot of Bible. Are we living it out? Are we obeying what we already know? And John 14, 21 says, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. God will show himself to us if we love him, if we obey him. Obedience and love sacrifice and love for others are going to be crucial for us to build a heart of love, build a life of love. Loving God, obeying him shows love. Not just, you know, singing songs. Those are great. 
but to actually obey. And so this last one, or the third one, is valuing putting others first. So Philippians 2, 3, and 4, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vacancy, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. And then he goes, each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. This value, and what a value is, it's a ranking system. You value certain things, like some of us value highly watching the Dallas Cowboys, even though they lose. But I, I value that greatly. I love watching the Cowboys. But there's other things that come in, in more important than that now, like spending time with kids and things like that. So we value different things that we like. What I'm saying is that if you want to have a heart of love, you have to value putting others first. You have to be sacrificial. Jesus comes and dies on the cross, and ultimate model of sacrifice, ultimate model of obedience and sacrifice. And so this, this is like a whole package, right? Like this is the, one of the big things. Like the other big one would be Ephesians 4.29, where it's like, you know, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what's helpful for building others up. So if you're doing and saying things that help others and you can make that a value in your life, people are going to love you. People are going to need you. People are going to want you in their life because you are light. You are life to them. And then this last one is, you know, emphasizing and remembering gospel truths. So God is gracious is something that I teach my, t- tell myself all the time. God is gracious so I don't have to prove myself. Because Jesus Christ came and died on the cross and saved me from my sins. And he came down from heaven and loved me, regardless of who I was. He loved me. I didn't prove myself to him. I didn't make myself known. And so preaching the gospel to yourself, different aspects of the gospel. You're saved by grace. You're here. Please preach the gospel to yourself. And so what does that look like? Well, it's remembering and confessing when we forget. If you think about the gospel on a daily basis, you're going to be more prone to go, you know what, I've been given a great gift. Now how do I turn around and love others? And how do I demonstrate this love in people's lives? And so what I want us to think about as, as as we end our session here and we're going to come up and we're going to do the Lord's Supper here in a second because it's always a picture of what we actually finish with is that, you know, Jesus Christ came and died on the cross for us. He saved us from our sins. And so I'm going to pray for us, and I know the band's going to come back up after, uh, and we're going to sing some song, maybe one last song. And I want us to ponder this moment right now of the Lord's Supper because everything I said means nothing and put the verse back up real quick the big verse and so regardless of anything if you forget anything and you will forget a lot of what we said right um, how does your life measure up to this kind of love how does it measure up to this what are the things that need to change and I want you to spend just a minute just a, a couple of seconds pondering what is it about my love relationship with Jesus, this true relationship with God that needs to improve, needs to get better, the season of life, you know, that we're in. 
It's like, what is it? God, speak to me right now. Show me how I can best example and live out this passage and see this passage lived out in me. And so I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to, you guys are going to come up and you're going to take the elements. And remember that when we take the elements, obviously, we do this every week. And we do it every week because we want to remember. We want to remember that the, the blood was shed for us and the body was broken. And so let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much for our time. Lord, I pray that you would um, just knit our hearts, help us to love you, help us to put each other first, help us to, to remember where God's love is from. Uh, it's from you. And Lord, I thank you so much for what you've done on the cross for us. And I just pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.